Hey Creepsters, Karen here, and you are listening to Paranormal Chicks, your one and only source into the paranormal and true crime. Snuggle in, check under your bed, and get ready for story time. I'm Carrie. And we are Paranormal Chicks. Sinister Sightings 53. And you just heard from Karen A. And she is so freaking adorable. Oh my God, I know. I love that intro. Yes. And yeah, check under your beds. Or at least don't hang your leg off of the bed. Have you ever seen that meme? It's pretty new and it says like, like something about like, don't hang your feet off the bed because a monster will lick it. And then it shows somebody sticking their booty out. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, if you want to introduce a Sinister Sightings, you want to have an episode shout out, or you want to get some of the extra bonus content that's available on Patreon, such as a monthly bonus episode, a milk carton mini, which is where we tell about a missing person. And I Survived, which is where we like re- basically recap and I Survived, bloopers, and we have a bunch of just like extra slices that are just bits and pieces of episodes that were too long to keep in, but we wanted to share anyway. Head on over to patreon.com slash the APC podcast. Okay, this one goes. So when the school year started, we met my daughter's third grade teacher. He seemed very nice, and during the back-to-school night, he took time to introduce his wife and one-year-old son and his two dogs, which were clearly his first babies. He lit up when talking about them and mentioned they were both over 10 years old. I think one was 15 or 17. I immediately thought, oh, great. I bet one of them is going to die during the year. I was thinking about my sensitive nine-year-old. Then I put that dark thought out of my mind. Last night, she randomly tells me that her teacher was out recently because, you guessed it, his dog had died. I think Tiffany has company because I guess I can kill dogs. I didn't mean to. Oh, my God. I was immediately thinking, (laughs) oh, this is going to be that she's like Tiffany. Yes. Oh, my gosh. Power of the mind, people. I am a very intuitive person in general. When I was a little kid, like one or two, we visited a family member's grave And there's a picture of me standing next to it with my back to it and arms crossed. Like, nope, I don't like it here. Later, we visited another graveyard I'd never been to, although it's possible it was the same relative. And my dad was trying to remember where the marker was. I asked for the last name and immediately walked over to it. I was around 16 at the time. Dang. That's crazy. One more story. My eldest daughter just turned 13, and when she was two, we visited some friends in another state. It was a day trip, and I drove my husband's car, which means I wasn't used to driving it. When we were getting ready to go, she walked over and started playing with the claw machine. Ah, the sweet days when little kids played video games without you needing to actually put money in them. Oh my gosh, right? So true. Anyway, she was having fun and told us she wanted to win new batteries because daddy's car was out of batteries. When we got outside, I realized I had left the headlights on and the car's battery was totally dead. There is no way she could have known that. It was so spoopy. Oh my gosh. 
She also says she's seen some ghosts and shadow figures. I just warned her not to play any of those games Donna's warned us about and to stay the fuck away from Ouija boards. She's a huge fan of Creepypasta. Thanks for the show. It's definitely my favorite for content and community. Roxy. Hey y'all, you both make my work commute so much more enjoyable. I hope I can entertain you with the following story about how I'm pretty darn sure I am cursed. Kind of. Oh shit, hit me with it. Feel free to use my real name, because it is all true. Names will not be changed to protect the innocent. Damn. Savage, and I like it. Picture it. Junior prom, May 1993 in eastern North Carolina. The community I grew up in was not financially prosperous. It was mostly tobacco and soybean farmers. My entire group of friends were from blue-collar, extremely hard-working families, Prom was a big deal, even junior prom. My best friend's mom actually bought my dress for me. I loved it. It was bright, neon, and purple. It was the whole deal. Lacy, puffy, shiny sleeves, bright colors. Additionally, my best friend's grandmother was a hairdresser. That's what she referred to herself as. No fancy stylist monikers for her. (laughs) She volunteered to do our hair. Y'all, there was so much hairspray in my hair that hurricane force winds would not have dislodged it. You are painting a picture. Mm-hmm. Hello, Still Magnolias. Grandma was also a firm believer in the higher the hair, the closer to God. This will be important later. We all got fancied up. My outfit was completed by a purple ribbon, giant sequined butterfly choker I made myself, and giant neon purple swirly earrings. I'll include a picture. It's exactly as purple as it sounds. For dinner prior to prom, we didn't have a lot of choices. None of us had a lot of money to spend, and our town was super small and didn't have the bigger typical chain restaurants at that time. None of us had really eaten Chinese food before, so we decided to go to the one restaurant in town that served it. Our group of about eight, if memory serves, got there around 5 p.m. for dinner. We were seated around a big table in the middle of the restaurant. There were many, many older folks eating there that particular evening. 5 p.m. is definitely the early bird senior citizen time. We know that because that's when me and Carrie eat. Uh Uh-huh. More like 5.30 now, just Mm -hmm. because we both always work late. Yeah, but we right there. Mm Mm-hmm. We inadvertently scandalized these poor grandma and grandpas who were just trying to enjoy a nice evening out. As we were seated, my best friend notices that there were paper placemats at each seat denoting the symbol for the year you were born. Like if you were born in 19-whatever, that's the year of the rabbit, etc. Christy, my bestie for damn near my whole life, exclaims loudly, Hey y'all, I'm a cock! <laughs> Who is she, me? Crickets. Then several of those kindly older people just gasped. Shock evident on their faces. Pearls were clutched (laughs) in abject horror at the audacity of the filthy-mouthed young whippersnappers. (laughs) (laughs) Poor Christy turned bright red. She truly didn't mean to offend everyone. She was just being exuberant because, hello, prom... I wish I could say that was the only thing that happened, the end, but no. 
Not even close. My friend Jamie and I, not being familiar with Asian cuisine at that point in our young lives, decided that we would split the poo-poo platter for two as our meal. It came with a variety of yummy-sounding appetizers, and we were all getting kind of hungry. When the food came out, the server placed this tower in front of me. It was a three-level concoction made of three Lazy Susan-type bowls and had a tiny flame coming out of a spot at the very top. Remember earlier when I said that my hair could withstand (gasps) hurricane-force winds? Hurricane, yes, but open flames? Yeah, not so much. Oh. My. God. My hair singed big time. (gasps) The smell of burnt hair permeated the entire restaurant. I was horrified. I started to tear up, and my best friends were begging me to calm down, swearing it wasn't that bad, and I didn't want to ruin my makeup. Sorry, that is terrible. So terrible. Also, girl, who decides to go to Chinese before going on an outing? Or do y'all, is it just my stomach that it fucks up? It ain't just your stomach. Okay. It might just be our stomach. Okay, maybe. Because <laughs> I guarantee you, like, if someone said, hey, first date, Chinese, be like, oh, no, no, honey, because I want a second date with you. Well, meanwhile, the That's literally every restaurant for me. So true. Is that why Colby came to your house first? Well, duh. (laughs) Okay. We eventually arrived at the prom. I am sure I looked a hot mess with my raccoon eyes, burnt hair, earrings all askew. The prom was held in our high school gymnasium, which would have been fine had the high school elected to use air conditioning. (gasps) In eastern North Carolina, in May, in a room with a couple hundred hormone-fueled teenagers in fancy, thick, hot clothing. They did not. After sweating through whatever makeup was left on my face, I went to get some punch. Someone did a crap job of guarding the punch bowl because whoever had spiked it must have used the cheapest, most rot-gut alcohol they could find. The punch was curdled. (gasps) Ugh! No big deal. I'll go buy soda from the machine in the cafeteria. Nope, machines were not turned on for prom. Oh my God. Okay, I'll go to the water fountain. Nope, the smallest trickle of water you have ever seen came out. And it was pee warm too. Okay, that's ridiculous. This is the worst planned prom I have ever heard. Right? At this point, I was done and ready to go home. No magical prom for me. I wanted my mom something cold to drink, and I had to cover my burnt hair. Looking back now, I laugh at the disaster it was. So do my friends. It's an often repeated story. Remember my best friend Christy, who shocked the elderly at the restaurant? Well, she's still my best friend and a very talented photographer. She actually was my wedding photographer. Also, remember the curse I mentioned at the beginning? I bet y'all are wondering, what curse? I think my curse is I can't have nice, normal, formal events. My wedding day, of which Christy was with me every moment, was also bananas. But that's another story for another email. Creep it real and don't get scared. Love, Jody. Oh my God, Jody, Send that in ASAP. Holy shit. Jody, that was so freaking funny. Oh my gosh. I used to think I had a curse about formal events, aka weddings. Because legitimately, it wasn't until probably three years ago that I went to my buddy Tyler's wedding. 
That was the only wedding in my life that I had not gotten sick at. Remember how I would always get like headaches or my stomach would hurt or like something would happen while I was like, it was like my body revolted. Okay. This one is sleep paralysis. Hey y'all. I have to be like everyone else and start off by saying how much I love your podcast. I recently started listening and now I'm hooked. I love everything you all talk about, stand for, etc. And I love how I feel like I'm friends with you just by listening to you ladies talk. Love it. Thank you. You are friends with us. Duh. Mm-hmm. Anyway, let me tell you a couple of my experiences with sleep paralysis. My recent one being the worst I've had yet. Dun, dun, dun. Before I begin, I just want to state that sleep paralysis can be caused by sleep deprivation, stress, or abnormal sleep cycles. I usually have these episodes when I'm extremely tired, and on this day, I was exhausted from a long, stressful travel and lack of sleep. Sleep paralysis usually happens when you're falling asleep or trying to wake up. It was late afternoon, I had a full belly, and was very sleepy. Oh, now that is like the fucking trifecta. Afternoon. (laughs) Full belly and you sleepy, I'm done. That's Carrie's erotic literature right there. (laughs) Let me be a little warm and cozy and forget about it. I turned on a movie and eventually dozed off on my couch. Usually when I have a moment of sleep paralysis, I can't wake up and I hear things that aren't really there or happening. Or my mind hears noises and interprets it as something else. Example, I could hear my dog walking on my wooden floor, but in my mind it sounded like someone is breaking in. This time, I was trying to come out of a deep sleep. I knew what was going on around me, but I started to hallucinate, and I couldn't tell what was really happening. During this time, it almost felt like I was inside and outside of my body. I was sitting on top of myself, feeling and watching it happen at the same time. But the thing moving looked like a creature. My body felt very heavy. I was trying to physically get up, move my arms, and crawl around, but I felt like my limbs were paralyzed. It truly felt like I was trying to move, but in reality, I was completely still. While trying to move, I was laughing at nothing and screaming and trying to talk. I was literally hearing it all, but it wasn't actually happening. I was trying to kick and get up, but something was holding my chest and torso down. When I finally came out of it, I was in such a panic I couldn't breathe. My boyfriend was on the couch napping with me, and he stated, I never said or did anything in my sleep. It all felt so real. That was just one of my many episodes. Sometimes I don't do anything, but I hear people whisper screaming in my ear and something trying to touch me. I will often wake up and my eyes will roll in the back of my head and the sleep paralysis will happen over and over again. Anyway, that's my story for you. I have lots of others I will eventually send in. I have a creepy sixth sense that I think y'all would be interested in. Love you, fam. Jordan. Hell yeah, we'd be interested in it. Mm-hmm. Send that in. And holy shit, that's fucking scary. Anything where you aren't in control or like you lose control of your movements or, and especially when your brain is playing tricks on you like that, mm-hmm. like I cannot even imagine. Mm-mm. I don't want to experience it. Mm-mm. Oh, shit. I don't want to experience this either. It says, my mom's Ouija board story. Mm-mm. I don't want to be part of that either. I mean, I want to hear a story, but I don't want to be part of a Ouija board. Mm-mm. You know what? You'd be the goodbye. That's all you want to say. You no. never want to say fucking hello. No. You know what? Y'all would think the planchette was moving because my shaky ass hands. 
It's true. My hands shake all the damn time. Or my belly would hit it. I would be like trying to move up or something. And you know my belly always moves the table. Mm -hmm. We play air hockey with our bellies. (laughs) (laughs) Hi, ladies. I wrote this in about a month ago, and I could have sworn I sent it in, and I just noticed it in my drafts. Whoops. And she did facepalm emoji. That's definitely some shit I would do. Mm Mm-hmm. I've done that at work, too. I'm like, I sent that in to you. Oh, no. mm -mm. It's... Madras. Gotta hit sand. I am the world's worst at saying, attached, you'll find blah, 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 and not putting the attachment. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Thank God now Google is smart and it goes, and like Microsoft Outlook that you, most people use at work. It'll be like, uh, you said attachment and there ain't none attached. You sure about this? Right. I love that you said Microsoft Outlook. Well, what else would you call it? But you make fun of me for saying Hurricane Katrina. Well, I mean, you could have a positive outlook and it not be Microsoft. Oh, my God. (laughs) But this is my mom's story, and it's made me never, ever want to play with the Ouija board. So my mom says that whenever her and her friends would play with the board, the spirits or the board never liked her. It would always call her a bitch and tell her to leave the room. Well, one night, my mom and her best friend wanted to go out so bad, but everything was going wrong. My mom calls it the night she was never supposed to go out. It all started with my mom and her friend wanting to go on a double date, but everything was preventing them from seeing each other. One of the guys' car wouldn't start, and they didn't have a ride, so my mom's best friend decided to take her Jeep. At first, she couldn't find her car keys. Then her car wouldn't start. And they also had to sneak her out because her family was super strict. But finally, they were on their way. When they picked up their dates, they decided to go to the beach. Once they were all there, they felt like their luck had finally changed because they saw some people having a bonfire. So they walked towards them to join the party. As they got closer, they saw that they were not having a normal bonfire. It looked like a satanic ritual. Oh, shit. So they ran, and the devil worshippers, quote-unquote, chased after them. They got to their car safely, thank God, and took off. They called in a night and dropped their dates off back at home. One of their dates' mom was a really nice Christian lady and kept asking them to stay the night, but my mom's friend had strict parents and had to go back home before they noticed she was gone. The nice mom even made sure they wore their seatbelt because she never wore it. Well, that ended up saving their lives because on the way back home, her best friend fell asleep while driving, and so did my mom, and the Jeep flipped. And can you guess what landed in the middle of them? The fucking Ouija board. Damn. P.S. When I told my mom about sending in her story, she was like, oh, do I win something? And I was like, no, mom. We just get to hear them tell your story on the podcast. And she was like, oh, that would be cool to listen to. And then she did another facepalm emoji. I mean, did you have a conversation with my mother? My mom would have been like, where do I watch it? No, legit. That's what my mom says. (laughs) I love you, ladies, and I tell everyone I know about your podcast. Also, I joined Facebook just for your group, which is an awesome group. And I go by my middle name on Facebook, Tatiana Nunez, because Facebook sketches me out. Mm -hmm. Girl, true. Also, I was just listening to episode 66 at work, and the eraser for our whiteboard flew off the shelf. So, yeah. Oh, my God. Well, thank you so much, Tatiana. I wonder what they were doing at that bonfire. And why did they chase them? They were probably like, wait, come back. We're not doing anything. Right? Oh, and shout out to Tatiana's mom. Thank you for that wonderful story. Glad y'all both survived. 
Thank you to the wonderful Christian mom that told y'all to buckle your seatbelts. Wow. Okay, this one is paranormal trigger warning. Hey, ladies, call me Starbucks if you can. I recently started listening to your podcast after I caught up with Morbid on Spotify. I've been searching for a new true crime paranormal podcast, but I hadn't found one that, you know, spoke to me until I found you two ladies. Oh my God, I freaking love that. And I freaking love Morbid. So thank you for following Morbid up with us. Thank you. Honestly, you two ride along with me when I have to drive 45 minutes out and 45 minutes back Monday through Friday and crack me up the whole time, except when you start talking about shadow people and men in black. Side note, I swore I saw the movie version of Men in Black coming out of a random flower shop that rarely had any customers like ever. My arm hairs stood up and the feeling that came over me was so intense that I literally closed my eyes and looked down until I felt it was safe. Okay, Fresh Prince. (laughs) (laughs) But my story has nothing to do with aliens or florists. I'm not one who believes in any of the paranormal stuff, but on the other hand, I know that if I don't pay any mind to feelings or peripheral sightings, it passes and I move on. So just a little backstory. I am married to my husband for almost 20 years. We have an 18-year-old and are still in love with each other. But like any marriage, we've had many ups and many downs. This story is a downer, but thankfully we got through it after a lot of therapy and a willingness to work on ourselves and our relationship. So back in 2007, my husband and I were having some issues. When we first got together, he was my first and had been my only relationship. We got together when I was 18 and he was nine years older. Years after the story, he told me that he knew at some point I might want to wild out a little and that he would just have to deal with it because he loved me. I started hanging out and going out, meeting new friends, staying out late, and pretty much ignoring him all the while he's at home taking care of our child. Basically, after he would get out of work, I would go to work, then hang out afterwards or just leave as soon as he came home. You can imagine how that can make someone feel and how hurt and confused your spouse might be. I just didn't care. I wanted to just be me for a while and never cared if it bothered him or not. Now thinking back, I can imagine how hard that was. Trigger warning, this story is hard to share, but I truly believe my husband was not my husband, but something else when it happened. I believe he was possessed. Believe me, I do not condone abuse in any shape, way, or form, But the few who knew about the story and know him believe us. My close girlfriend was there with us when it happened. So here's the story, finally. It's 2006, 2007, and my husband and I are still having issues, but my friend had flown out to visit family and wanted to visit with me before she had to leave. I picked her up, stopped by the store to pick up some tequila and margarita mix so we can hang out all night like we used to back in the day. She knows my husband, and he was there too, hanging out. At first, everything's fine. We're all having a good time, laughing, telling stories, drinking on a Saturday night like no problem. But remember, things aren't good between my husband and I, so there's a heavy feeling in our apartment because of it. Before my friend came over, my husband had questioned me about hanging out with coworkers, well, guy coworkers. After hours of hanging out and margaritas, keep in mind I wasn't drinking a lot because our child was home with us, and in general, I'm not a big drinker anyway. He started bringing up the not coming home, the guy co-worker, the staying out way after my shift was over, etc. Meanwhile, my friend is trying to be the buffer so that we wouldn't start arguing, but it wasn't working. 
Words were said, yelling had started, and I'm telling him to go to the room and sleep it off. Regardless, I'm already embarrassed and pissed off because I have my girl over and he's acting a fool. Again, looking back, it was just the hurt and pain he was feeling. He finally walks away and heads to the bedroom, still talking shit and slamming doors. I decided to go to the room and tell him to calm down because our son is sleeping and he's going to wake him up. Note, I'm now more pissed off and really do not give a shit that he's pissed. I just want him to shut the F up. I do not remember what happened next. Like, if I looked away for a minute or went to the bathroom, but it got quiet. Like, really quiet. I looked towards the room to see that he had laid down on the bed. He was facing up, eyes closed, arms crossed around his chest, which always freaked me out, Freddy Krueger. Out of nowhere, like seriously, his eyes open. He's just staring up at the ceiling. I'm like, are you okay? Thinking something is wrong because he's not moving, just staring. I walk closer to him, taking a few steps, and out of nowhere, he eerily turned his head as if he wasn't aware I was there. Then he spoke, let's have sex, with a weird-ass look on his face. Let's have sex, again. I'm like, uh, no. Then his body, and I say it like that, his body started to get up. Like, one leg flung over, like slow motion, almost like he wasn't sure it would work, if that makes sense. Then the other leg. One shoulder was trying to pick up his torso. Yes, like pick up his upper body. His head flung forward, chin on his chest. Then the other, as he was trying to sit on the bed, now saying, let's have sex with creepy ass fucking expression on his face. I'm like, oh, hell no. What's wrong with you? As if though he's been possessed or something. Fuck that. Side note, my son, who was around four or five at the time, started saying that he would see something Or just didn't like going into the closet. It was a big closet in the hallway that directly faced my bedroom. I would tell him not to fear anything because he was safe. It wasn't anything that frightened him on a daily basis, but he did start having night terrors. He would just wake up not knowing where he was and who we were. That was creepy. At first, I don't think I was scared, more fascinated by his strange movements and what he kept repeating. But then I looked into his eyes and there were big black eyeballs just looking at me as he started to sway side to side as if he was trying to make himself stand up. I repeated, no, we are not having sex, so stop asking. I was getting freaked out. He stood and started walking towards me as if his body was heavy, left shoulder first, carrying his weight, then right shoulder. Ugh! But he wasn't asking for sex anymore. He started arguing, yelling something as I'm walking away from him, literally walked to the other side of the bed. Not completely understanding what I was witnessing, I started to argue back. At that time is when my friend walked into the bedroom and tried to calm him down. She later told me that she hadn't really looked at him yet, but she remembered thinking how hard it was to move him. He's about 5'9", 180 pounds, and she was a big chick herself. I remember him looking down at her when she grabbed him, and he's like yelling, mumbling, and almost stops. I said something to hurt his feelings, like, I don't want him or something of that nature, while I'm standing on the other side of the room. Next thing I know, he's charging at me, like on all fours, animal-like. I swear he flew across that bed and grabbed me by the neck and held me up in the air. Oh, no. That whole animal-like thing, I can just see, Mm -hmm. like, uh -uh, uh-uh, uh-uh. My friend, stunned, froze for a second. 
I'm trying to call him by his name to wake him up from whatever that trance is. It's not him. I wasn't a small chick at that time. I had pounds on me. Listen, there is no way he could have picked me up like that ever. Everyone at this point is yelling. He drops me and walks into the living room. At that point, my friend looked at him and said, his eyes, what's wrong with his eyes? We live in an apartment complex, so the walls are thin. Our neighbors had called the cops and they came to the door. My friend, scared as hell, opened the door and let them in. Something happened. They tried talking to him, asking him to calm down, asking us what's up with him, if he's on something. No, just margaritas. No hard drugs. Nothing like that. It basically took four big grown police officers to arrest him. He fought them all the way. They hogtied his ass and threw him in the back seat. The officer later told my husband that it shouldn't have taken four guys to get him down. A couple of days later, he was let go on bail. I picked him up and asked him if he remembered anything that happened. He said no. The last thing he remembered was laying down in bed. How all of a sudden he just felt extremely tired. Then he woke up in jail. He said while he was in jail, they told him while he was there. He said, there is no way I would put my hands on my wife. There is a mistake. I've never seen a more broken man. We headed home. My friend's still with me. I let him know that we have something to tell him about that night, and he might not believe us, but it's true. To this day, it's hard for him to believe it all. He said he couldn't have been possessed or that he couldn't have hurt me, but I know what I saw, and she knows what she saw. It wasn't him. Regardless, like I said, we went to therapy and worked it out. We love each other, and nothing like that has ever happened again. We moved out fairly quickly, and as soon as we did, my son stopped having night terrors. I still tell myself things like that aren't real, but just as an FYI, my husband's grandfather was supposedly into dark magic, and his father was taught certain things, but he never wanted his children to be involved with all of that, so he never had my husband around it. He's heard stories of his past relatives and what they do. He has remembered seeing and feeling things he could never explain. Again, I do not condone or excuse anything that happened, and not everyone will believe us. But like Nene Leakes would say, I saw what I saw. I'm sorry this ended up being so long. I'm currently trying to get to every episode since I'm late to the game. Love you both. Please keep my name private. Starbucks. Wow. I bet you were terrified. That is that's terrifying. And it kind of goes along with that show called Evil where I haven't watched it besides like one episode, but it's like the devil will send his minions out and they possess a mm-hmm. person and then they do the bad shit and mm-hmm. stuff. But it's like, what really, like, what if we do get possessed and that's when we do like the shit that is so out of character for us? I mean, I don't know. Hi there, ladies. I just recently found you guys on Spotify. I was immediately hooked. I have always loved old homes, and in 2010, I rented an old house in one of the few central neighborhoods untouched by developers in Lindell Park in Houston, Texas. Within a few days of moving in, I felt like there was a presence in the house with me. Side note for context, My mom has always been very in tune with her spiritual psychic side. As a kid and a teenager, she would always say things like, that person's aura is black. You need to stay away from them. Or they have a great aura. They will be a good friend. 
And that happened whenever I introduced her to a new friend. I always chalked it up to her trying to choose who I was friends with by making me either scared or leery of certain people over others. In hindsight, she was always right. She also has dreams that more times than not are premonitions of something to come. She's big on crystals and stuff like that too. That being said, this has made me indirectly aware of my own spiritual psychic side. Okay, so back to my house. Even though I sensed something immediately, the first incident didn't take place until about my second month living there. One morning, I was standing just past the doorway from the hallway that connects two bedrooms into the living room. I was facing the living room with my back to the hallway. Out of nowhere, I felt like someone walked up and was standing right behind me. I froze for a second to try to make sense of what was happening. Then I felt something graze my leg. I thought to myself, okay, you're crazy. It's just the cat. I figured he walked up behind me and was waving his tail and the tip of it grazed me. Just as I felt relieved, I looked over and saw my cat was taking a nap on one of the windowsills in the living room. Oh my God. By this time, the sense of someone being behind me was gone and I was running late for work, so I just hurried along. But these small things continued to happen every month or two apart. I lived by myself and had initially used the back bedroom as my room since the closet was huge. A twin bed, nightstand, and dresser could literally fit in there with enough space to walk around. Damn. Yes, girl. I did think it was odd that there was a latch lock on the outside of the closet door. Like, who locks their clothes in a closet? I decided not to look a gift horse in the mouth and just be grateful that I had an awesome closet in an old bungalow house. The issue with the back bedroom was that I couldn't fall asleep in there, and when I did, I'd wake up after a few minutes and continue to toss and turn. I'd always end up going to the living room to watch TV until finally falling asleep. Another side note for context, during this time in my life, I was single, having fun, and my career and income had started to take off like crazy. I blamed the inability to sleep on my anxiety over the good things in my life being too good to be true. I grew up really poor, like electricity and gas constantly being cut off, times when there was literally nothing in our refrigerator other than a bottle of mustard and an old stick of butter, etc. I live in constant fear that I'm going to lose everything now and my life will end up the way it started. Gosh, that's so scary. It is so scary. We both have issues with that too. Mm-hmm. And it it is so like it does produce such anxiety. Mm-hmm. And so you're grateful, but then you're also like, but don't be too grateful because then I'll like manifest something bad to happen. Mm-hmm. You're always waiting on the other shoe to drop. Yeah. Okay, back to the house. Fast forward another year or so, I asked my mom if she could come check on my house while I was in Europe for two weeks. Oh, shit, girl, you were getting it. Mm-hmm. She said, okay. Well, when I get back, she comes to pick me up from the airport. The first thing she says is, you know you have a spirit in your house, right? I wasn't surprised and said, I figured that much. She says, I saw it. It paces the hallway between the bedrooms, but it's mainly in the room you sleep in. What the fuck? I mean, that's pretty specific, and I never told anyone about the things I felt in the house because I didn't want to freak myself out. She said, he's not necessarily a good or bad spirit, but just discontent. He? Okay, mom. My mom suggested I move my bedroom to the other room and sage my house. 
I was able to get a full night's rest immediately after changing bedrooms. I only went into my old bedroom to access the closet where I still kept all my clothes and shoes. All was good for several months afterwards. Then I started to sense the presence of something again, but not as strongly as before. Until. Oh, shit. One day when I got home from work, I went into my old bedroom to hang some clothes I picked up from the dry cleaner. It felt like nighttime because it was a winter and the sun had already set, but it was maybe 7 p.m. at the latest. I was in the closet and through my peripheral vision, I suddenly saw what looked like a tall, brawn man wearing all black, standing in the bedroom doorway, blocking the hallway. Because the shape was so distinct, I immediately thought that someone must have broken into my house and I came home while they were still inside. For what felt like minutes, but was probably only a few seconds, I made myself continue to hang up my clothing as if I hadn't seen him yet and maybe he'd go away. He stood there still. I came to the realization that I was going to have to deal with whatever was about to happen, so I took a deep breath, blinked, and turned to face him. When I did, he was gone. Oh my god. At this point, I ran out of the bedroom, into the living room, and onto the porch to collect myself. I walked around the outside of my house looking for any window screens that might have been removed or any other signs that someone had gotten in from the outside, but everything was still intact. That's when I realized whatever had been there when I moved in was back. I went back inside and started praying until I felt safe. For the next few nights, I slept in the living room so I could have quick access out of my house into the street just in case. That weekend, I went to my church, I'm Roman Catholic, and got holy water. I kept small bowls of it in every room. Also, despite it being inconvenient, I bought a portable clothing rack that I kept in my laundry room for my work clothes and rarely went into my other bedroom closet unless I had someone visiting. Other than my mom, I never told anyone that I purposely avoided that room, much less the reason why. I lived there another year or so without issues before moving in with my boyfriend, now husband. Even though I was only renting, I loved that house so much. To this day, almost six years later, I will drive by that house just to see it. And almost every single time, there's a for rent sign up. It's like nobody ever lives there very long. Well, that's my story. It's not as intense as some of the others, but I wanted to share. Andrea. Oh my God, I loved it. It was very intense for me. It was so intense. Oh, no. And one, don't fuck with Carrie's sleep. Mm-hmm. But I hate that because I will do that. If I face my wall and my back is open to like the openness and my bathroom area, mm-hmm. I'm just like, someone's standing behind me. Someone's standing behind me. And so, like, I have to turn over. And, you know, but, like, yeah. no, no, no. There was actually a spirit behind her. Oh, my God. Okay, this one is a true crime story. Hi, ladies. I haven't had a true crime story to write in until today. And it's a story I kind of knew but didn't know too many details about it because it's something my family doesn't really talk about. Well, here goes. My mom told me a story today about her uncle and his son and grandson. I've never met any of them for reasons you'll soon find out. Also, I'm changing everyone's names. My mom's uncle Ernie was a really bad guy, and the first story involves him dating a nurse he met at a hospital who he convinced to live with him in Mexico. Well, because he's an abusive man, she wanted to move back, and he literally 
held her hostage, and didn't let her leave the house. He told her if she tried to escape, he would kill her family, so she was terrified of leaving. He casually told two of his nephews that he was holding her hostage. They saw the situation, and they soon helped her escape and come back to the U.S. Thank God. After, he continued committing crimes, and in Mexico, he was able to get away with it. He robbed a bank and went on the run, and in Mexico, back then, if you commit a crime and the police can't find you, they'll take one of your family members. So my family actually had to go into hiding for a couple of years, and then eventually came to the U.S. Holy crap. I I, had no idea. I did not know that. Well, he moved on, never got caught, committed some more crimes because he's a sneaky, selfish, money-hungry man, and married someone else and had children with her. He beat his wife and all of their kids for their whole childhood. Ernie and his wife separated and the kids stopped talking to him. And a little after, she ended up dying of breast cancer. After the funeral, he wanted to get back in Ernie Jr.'s life. So Ernie gave Jr. a gun and told him to rob a store. Jr.'s wife was the getaway driver and dropped him off at a stop sign because there were checkpoints after the robbery. And then he started walking to a neighborhood by the store and got greedy and decided to rob a house. He walked into the house and a neighbor saw him and called the cops. A cop knocked on the door and Junior let him in and held him at gunpoint. Soon after, police, SWAT, and helicopters surrounded the house. Finally, they were able to shoot him and shot him 10 times in the head. Oh my gosh. His wife actually sued and won money. I'm not sure how much. Well, Junior actually has a few kids, and you can guess they weren't raised in the best environment. One of his sons, Anthony, ended up in gangs and is in prison because he casually went up to a car and robbed and killed the man driving it. Oh my gosh. The police found him and arrested him. Well, when he went to court... The judge asked if he had anything to say to the family. He looked at them and laughed. And that's how he came out in the newspapers, smirking and showing no remorse. Wow. That's the end of my crazy family history. And I'm glad I've never met these family members and we have nothing to do with them. But also, my mom has been pretty open about everything and doesn't try to hide it. But a few of my family members have actually changed their last name because, believe it or not, My mom and a few of her siblings have been profiled by police when they've been stopped for random traffic violations. I'll send you links if you're interested. I found the stories online. How did she sue? Like, how did she get money? Like, this reminds me of that part on Liar Liar when he's like, when the secretary quits and she's like, tells a story about her friend. That Again, this is all a movie, but her, she tells a story about, her friend who a guy was like climbing on the roof to like rob her and fell and cut his leg on a knife and then sued her and got $6,000 and he can't tell a lie. And he's like, basically like, that's terrible. And he said, I'd have got him 10. Yeah. Oh my gosh. (laughs) But it reminds me of that because it's like, he was in this person's house robbing them at gunpoint and holding a police officer hostage. Like what you mean? She sued and got money. Mm Mm-hmm. My brother had a friend growing up, and he got a light bulb out of – it was a fluorescent light bulb. He got it out of a trash of a business, and he tried to walk on it or something like that, and he cut his – he cut himself pretty badly. 
But they sued that business and they got money. That is ridiculous. Mm-hmm. And I wonder if you could do that like now because since once trash is out, it's not your property anymore. That's how they get like stuff to like get DNA samples and all of that. So I wonder if you could do that now. I don't know. Probably not because they had so many freaking things like that. Okay, last one. Hello, ladies. I've recently found and have begun to binge the show. I love the combo of true crime and spooky, spooky stories. I've been meaning to write in since the first sinister sightings I listened to, but school and work have occupied the majority of my time. And the rest of it, I've spent playing with cats and other cute animals in order to keep my sanity. Okay, so my story needs a little bit of a setup. We, my family and grandparents, my dad's family, grew up in one house as they needed extra support because they were older and their health wasn't the greatest. My grandfather died in 2003 after a quick decline and a final week in the hospital. He made some interesting comments in the days leading up to his death, mainly revolving around a baby being in the corner and about his brother, who at this point was dead but who had never come over from Greece either. These things were not given much credit as his heart wasn't strong and we just assumed he was seeing things. We are Orthodox and after the death, we essentially believe that the spirit is free for three days after the burial. My cousin and I both had dreams about him in those days. My dream was just seeing him in his normal spot at the kitchen table with his cup of coffee and toast and sliced cheese sandwich. I was very confused in my dream, asking him why he was there and telling him that he shouldn't be here because he was dead. He just kept telling me that he was fine and that he felt better and that everything was going to be okay. I don't remember anything else from the dream, but I do remember feeling better about him being gone. It was very distressing. I was 16 years old and in high school, and it was really the first death I had experienced. And it was like losing a father. All right, let's jump a few years ahead. My grandmother has now gone downhill since my grandfather's death and has had several strokes, some seizures, and was no longer able to walk or use her left hand. Not that that stopped her from being the spitfire that she was, but she stayed in our family home until we were no longer able to care for her because she was terrified of going to a nursing home. She wanted to die in her house, and she stayed until the doctor said she would need an IV And we, my mom, dad, and myself, decided it was too much to learn and be responsible for at home. She was in the hospital and nursing home for about six years after being in the home for about four to five. Because she didn't speak English and her mental health depended on it, someone was there to feed her lunch and dinner every day. My aunts, who's my dad's sisters, three of them, split up some of the lunches, and my dad, mom, and I did dinner and lunches. Often when we would go to her room, my grandmother would be angry, which is confusing because she hadn't spoken to anyone, as no one there spoke Greek. And at dinner time, I assumed she was angry with one of my aunts for doing something at lunchtime. But her annoyance wasn't relegated only to dinner times. This woman took no shit ever. Even without being able to walk and only having the use of one hand and arm and like being 90 pounds, she was still the one in charge and called the shots. Anyways, when I would ask her what was wrong and why she was angry, her response would be, your grandfather is at the end of the bed and he won't speak to me. And this broke my heart. I thought she was losing it and I didn't want to have to tell her that he was dead and had been for a very long time now. I did and she told me she knew but that he was at the end of the bed and he just won't talk to her. 
She would start to get angry with me too because he was right there. Why don't you see him? And as time went on, she had several close calls. My grandfather got closer to the head of her bed from standing at the foot, then sitting on the end, and then to a chair beside her. She also mentioned the baby frequently, especially when she was in really bad shape. The last time I went for lunch with her, the day before the last stroke and her death, she was in a better mood. My grandfather was now close to her, and she had been talking with my grandfather. She wouldn't tell me about what, so we just went on to have lunch and the normal stuff that we would do when I was there. I went to spend the next day with my cousin, and I told her how I wished she would just die already. And I know this sounds horrible, but I hated that she had no quality of life and that her health had been up and down in the time leading up to this. The last time I went for lunch was on a Monday. I knew that on Tuesday she had had a rough time, but she often went back and forth between begging God to take her and telling God she wasn't ready. So I assumed she was getting ready to tell him that she wasn't ready and we'd continue on as we had. My mom woke me up at 5.30 or 6 a.m. to tell me that she had died and that they had just gotten back home from the nursing home. I was devastated, lost, and filled with grief because I felt like I had just killed my yaya my grandmother. As time moved on, I realized that my grandfather was there with her the entire time, and I wish I had put together that my papu, or grandfather, was moving closer to her the closer she got to death, and when she was the closest to death's door, he was there to comfort her, which does provide me a lot of comfort. Just a few extras. Anytime there was a death on the ward my yaya lived in, We would come in and she would be very sleepy and again annoyed that people had been in and out of her room all day and night bugging her. I wouldn't know that it was a resident that had passed until I spoke with the nurse or the PSW who would check in on her to get her bedpan after dinner. This happened every time someone died. There was another time my younger sister and I were sitting in her room after dinner just hanging out and out of the corner of my eye I saw a black mass move, like run towards the corner. My sister had seen it too, and we just looked at one another questioningly. Soon, Yaya asked who ran into the corner. This was not the only time we saw shadows in the corners in the nursing home. Since my Yaya has died, there have been some interesting things happening at our house where we all live together. My papu often would take our papers and read them over and then return them to us. And my Yaya, being a Greek matriarch, Think my big fat Greek wedding, that's her, would often check on my parents to see if they were still awake and then tell them to go to sleep because it was late. (laughs) She was also serious. If they had fallen asleep, she'd go downstairs and wake them up. I know my grandparents are at the house watching over us. My grandfather takes papers and misplaces them. Months later, they will turn up in the most obvious places. We also see her little shuffling shadow at the top of the stairs from the place where she would yell at everyone to go to bed. Okay, so that's my story of my encounters with the ghosties. Nothing scary, but interesting still. Sorry for the length. I think it's longer than most people's long stories. (laughs) Love you, ladies, and the no bullshit support you offer for extra large pizzas, Sonia. Aw, I love that. Yes. Also, so sweet, grandparents. Oh, my God. I know. I, I can totally picture that. Yes. And she saw a baby, too. And so what if when her grandfather was passing away, his brother was there doing the same thing, like getting closer and mm-hmm. closer and closer, and he saw the baby. Yeah. So that was like a significant thing for him, too. Wow. I don't know, but crazy shit goes down in nursing homes like that. Yes. 
Thank you so much, everyone, for sharing y'all's stories. These were so good, as always. Mm-hmm. I think you've seen kind of through this episode, we like funny stuff, the curse, mm-hmm. quote unquote. That was great. <laughs> and touching, scary shit. And of course, uh, the true crime. Carrie got her true crime, y'all. We want them all. So send them in. Keep going. Aparanormalchicks at gmail.com. And remember, creep it real and and don't don't get scared. scared.